Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Tuesday Night Podcast Club with me, Jess. This week I'll be recap and reviewing an episode of Crime Countdown with Ash and Alina. Countdown podcast is hosted by the fabulous auntie slash niece, but more like sisters, Joelle, Ash and Alina from Boston. They're mostly known for their own show called Morbid, a true crime podcast. It's literally one of the biggest shows out there. It's huge. We will be covering it at some point. But today we're going to talk about the show that they were asked to host the podcast, Crime Countdown. It's a Spotify original and it is a show that I listen to on a weekly basis. So, I do love this one. I find it really interesting and it's actually really funny. The hosts are great and some of the crimes people think they can get away with are insane. Our two hosts, as I've said, are Ash and Alina. By day, Ash is a hairstylist and Alina is an autopsy tech. So I guess that Alina's job at least kind of links back to the whole true crime obsession. Okay, so the premise of the show is every week, the podcast research gods, as they call them, compile a list of top 10 crimes in a certain topic. They then split the list between Ash and Elena, who then tell each other the stories until they reach the top spot. The stories can range from top 10 Florida Man crimes, top 10 TV star arrests, or even top 10 Olympic scandals, I think is one of them. So there's so many different ones there. It's really interesting. At the end, they decide whether or not the researchers got it right or whether they know better. As I say, neither of them know what the other one has, so it's quite interesting to hear them react as well freshly to the story. The episode I'm going to be covering today is called 10 Cruise Ship Horrors. It is awful, insane, and let's get into it. Intent is the case of Tamara Tucker. In 2019, 55-year-old Eric Newman pleaded guilty to murder and long-term girlfriend Tamara Tucker. The pair were on board the Carnival Elation celebrating Tamara's 50th birthday, going between Jacksonville, Florida and the Bahamas. They boarded the day earlier on January 18th and checked into a room on the 13th deck. Eric claims that him and Tamara started arguing in their cabin just before midnight and then at around 12.15am on the 19th, Eric began strangling Tamara with both of his hands. He then threw her over the balcony to her death. Weirdly, and in my opinion wrongly, Eric Newman was only sentenced to 12 years in prison. The next case that they tell us about is the case of Darla and John Banner. They were both retired when they got married on October the 2nd of 2014, and just six months later, on the 2nd of April 2015, they were both found dead in their cabin on board the MS Rindam. The newlyweds had been known to local police in their hometown of Salem, Ohio, just after ret- returning from a prior cruise for the honeymoon, Darla was rushed to hospital. She had a stab wound to the chest. So, police interviews of both of them determined that John had been showing Darla some old military dagger that he had. He then tripped on a rug and accidentally plunged the dagger directly into the centre of her chest, 
what is this, a cartoon, John? Anyway, both accounts of the incident seemed to match up and the police had to report it as a freak incident. However, this is probably a bit more suspicious after the murder-suicide on board the MS Ryan Dam, where John murdered his wife and then he died himself by suicide. Their Caribbean cruise left Key West, Florida on March 30th and headed towards San Juan, Puerto Rico. John and Darla both died before it arrived. In eighth is the case of Christy and Kenneth Manzanares. In 2015, they booked an Alaskan cruise on the Emerald Princess to celebrate their 18th wedding anniversary, and they even brought the two kids and various family members along for the occasion. Again, on night one, things took a turn for the worst. The couple reportedly began arguing, and Christy began to ask Kenneth for a divorce and to disembark the ship. That's when he asked their two daughters, aged 22 and 13, to go to a relative's room and leave them alone for a while. They later attempted to regain entry after hearing their mum scream and their dad told them it was best they didn't come back in. They then went to the adjoining balconies where they saw through the window and witnessed their father beating the mother on the floor with his fists. He allegedly then tried to drag Christy towards the balcony but one of her brothers stopped him and dragged her back on board. When the cruiser's medical and security personnel arrived they discovered that Christy had suffered severe head injuries and her blood was splattered all over the room. She reportedly died of blunt force trauma to the head, and in 2020, Kenneth pled guilty to second-degree murder and was later sentenced to 30 years with an additional five years of probation. However, on 14th of July 2021, Kenneth was found unresponsive in his Alaskan prison cell at about 7am local time, and then pronounced dead at 7.42. According to a statement from the Alaskan Department of Corrections, Kenneth's death was not related to the COVID-19 pandemic and foul play was not suspected. Now the next case that we heard about is just... It's even sadder because it feels like she knew something was going to happen. So Alma Rosa Tenerio was 52 in 2018 when she boarded the Royal Princess cruise with her husband Liam. Her grown children said that the mum was acting a bit weird before her and the dad left on the cruise from Fort Lauderdale. On November the 9th, she actually told her daughter that she had a premonition, something really bad was going to happen to her, and she actually hugged her son for five whole minutes, which, that's a long time to hug somebody, before she actually left, saying it might be the last time that she'd ever get to hug him. Then during the early morning hours of November 13th, while the ship was on the coast of Aruba, Alma Rosa plummeted from an upper deck 14 storeys. She landed on a lifeboat below and was pronounced dead on the ship. Her husband was questioned, but he was never actually named a suspect, and it's still unknown as to whether this was an accident or, in fact, a murder. So to wrap up the first half of this list at number six, the hosts tell us about Shirley and Robert McGill. In the summer of 2009, they were marking their 55th birthdays on the Carnival Elation cruise to Mexico. They were actually childhood sweethearts that had reconnected later in life, some might say a fairy tale romance. That was until Shirley was found dead in their cabin. During questioning, Robert told investigators that on July 14th, the day of his birthday, as the ship headed home from a final stop in Cabo San Lucas, where he was reported to have been drinking heavily throughout the day, he killed his wife in the bathroom of their cabin with his bare hands. As an additionally tragic side note, Shirley had just retired a week before 
from the State Department of Motor Vehicles and was looking forward to the rest of her life with the man that she thought she loved. Robert was sentenced in 2011 to life in prison. So obviously at this point you're thinking what I'm thinking. Why do husbands keep killing the wives and can we all calm the F down? That's not about to change a lot, so let's get on with the next case. In 1988, nine days after the wedding day, on honeymoon aboard the cruise liner Stardancer from LA to Mexico, chiropractor Dr Scott Roston killed his bride Karen and then threw it overboard. Witnesses said that they'd been fighting before Karen was beaten, strangled, then thrown into the sea 20 miles off the Mexican coast on February the 13th. So Scott's first story is that a gust of wind came and blew Karen overboard. Good try, Scott. Then about 3am, he changed his mind and said, actually, you know what? My wife was killed by some Israeli agent in retaliation for a book that I wrote criticising Israel. Whatever. He maintained this defence until his trial, but the jury did not buy it, and on October the 12th of 1989, he was sentenced to life in prison for second-degree murder. Bye, Scott. So if I sounded angry about Dr. Scott, let me tell you, this next one is so infuriating, this anger isn't dissipating. Diane Brimble was from Brisbane, Australia, and 42 when she boarded the PO cruise Pacific Sky for a 10 day voyage in September of 2002. She was joined on the trip by her sister, a daughter, and a niece, and they'd actually saved for this holiday for like three years. It was highly anticipated. They were so excited. At the time, the PO cruisers had a bit of a reputation for being crazy party atmosphere boats. So they were excited for this and obviously on the first night of the voyage, Diane is ready to party, living her best life. She met a guy called Mark Wilhelm who was travelling with seven other male friends and then Diane, Mark and two of those friends, Latorio Silvestri and Ryan Cutchell, danced and drank in the ship's nightclub until about 4am before heading back to the men's cabin to continue the party. This is when Mark allegedly gave Diane GHB which is also known as the date rape drug. And he's then said to have had sex with her and so did his friend Leterio. At around 8.30am, the ship's paramedics were called to the room where they found Diane naked, unconscious and alone. Paramedics tried to revive her, but she was pronounced dead at the scene at 9.03am. Not even a full day into her cruise once again. A coroner's report found that the liquid GHB combined with the alcohol in Diane's system caused respiratory failure. Eight years after her death, another coroner, Jacqueline Millage, formally presented her findings, stating that Diane was unknowingly drugged by unscrupulous individuals who were intent on using her for their own gratification. So, surely this means they were punished, doesn't it? Nope. All three were charged with manslaughter, but refused to confess, saying the drug consumption and sex was consensual. The 2007 trial ended with a jury not being able to reach a verdict. And finally, Mark pleaded guilty to supplying Diane with the fatal GHB in 2010, and the others pled guilty to obstruction of justice. But as of 20 years later, no one has served a single minute inside prison for the death of Diane Brimble. Now, if you think this crazy train couldn't get any worse, it definitely does. 
So let's go on with the Gay Gibson story. Gay was a British actress who went missing during a voyage between Cape Town, South Africa and Southampton, England in October of 1947. Later, suspicions of a deckhand arose and James Cam was arrested at Southampton for a murder. He actually claimed that Gay suffered a fit and died during consensual sex, but admitted panicking afterwards and pushing a body through the portal. His trial heard that Gay Jordan was found in the cabin, along with her blood and saliva, which to them suggested that she'd been strangled. James, who had previously been accused of sexually assaulting three other women, had scratches on his wrists and shoulders. He was eventually found guilty of murder and given the death sentence, but that was later commuted to life in prison. The questions surrounding whether she did die of a heart condition or not are relevant, but I think either way she was probably being attacked by James at the time and ultimately probably was responsible for the murder. And he clearly wasn't a good person because he got released on licence in 1959 but was re-arrested for sexual offences against schoolgirls, so scum of the air. He was then sent back to prison and somehow he was released again in 1979 and then died a year later protesting his innocence in the Gay Gibson case until his dying day. Guess what? Don't believe you, James. Yes, come. Now, here we go with Luigi Lewis Campagna. This guy is mental. Luigi went by Louis Campagna and was a 46-year-old successful fruit seller in New York in 1921. That might sound like a silly profession, but man was minted. He had a wife and five kids and he decided to literally jump ship and run off with a 23-year-old woman, Ernestine Bressel. When Anna Campagna, Louis's wife, hadn't heard from her husband for a number of days, she questioned the family's chauffeur as to where he'd lost took him. Knowing his plans not to return, he actually gave up Louis's lies and told Anna that he'd set sail on board the SS Vasari heading for Argentina. And he'd actually listed another woman as his wife on his passport. Because I guess back in 1921, women weren't important enough to have their own passports, so, you know. Anyway, Anna, a woman scorned, was quick to report him for falsifying documents as she was actually his wife to the US State Department, who then issued a notice for the pair to be stopped and apprehended upon arrival at Buenos Aires. And the couple were then told to stay on board the ship and return back to the US with the boat to face the consequences. During the voyage home, which would have took a lot longer back then, Louis fired five shots from his gun into Ernestine and then turned it on himself. They were actually both buried at sea and it came as another shock to Anna and Ernestine's family to find out that the couple had actually been married earlier in January of 1921 and Louis was also there for a bigamist. But I'd still go out on a limb to say murdering was the worst treat in him. So the top spot of the list this week is Lonnie Lauren Kakantes. In 2006, Lonnie Kakantes and Mickey Kananaski, an American couple with a rocky history of an on-again, off-again marriage, booked a cruise to work on patching up their situation. They'd been on and off again since 1995, and despite having been divorced, they carried on living together and essentially in a relationship throughout. In 2005, Mickey married a woman that he met online called Amy Nguyen, but several months into their relationship, he moved back in with Lonnie once again. He booked the cheap and cheerful cruise on the island escape, 
a ship operating out of Messina, Italy. Just after, he reportedly drafted a new will for Lonnie. He was actually a lawyer, so this was within the realm of his job description, but he was actually made himself the sole beneficiary of an estate, which totaled a million dollars. Sam, that's not suspicious, is it, Mickey? They boarded on May 26th of 2006, and the same evening, Lonnie actually vanished. The next morning, Mickey reported the disappearance and then immediately flew back to California. Again, suspicious. Lonnie's body washed up on the shore two days later, and although an autopsy did determine that she died by strangulation and was dead before hitting the water, a death wasn't even investigated until 2008, when Mickey tried to transfer a million dollars from Lonnie's account to his own. He initially avoided the rest because his third wife, and I'm lost on who the first poor soul was, Amy, testified on his behalf, but in 2013 she changed the story and told investigators that her husband had actually murdered Lonnie, and Mickey was finally charged with her murder. His trial was delayed for seven years due to questions over the court's legal, legal jurisdictions, and during this time he even attempted to get rid of Amy as well. He allegedly solicited two other inmates and offered to pay them well to convince her to recant her testimony and then murder her. Instead, the inmate reportedly told the state attorney, leaving him to face two additional counts of solicitation for murder in a separate trial. Finally, in 2020, he was sentenced to life in prison. Good riddance. So let's wrap it up. As I've already mentioned, I'm a big fan of this show anyway and I always make time to listen to Ash and Elena's work. So I suggest you do the same because I'm giving this a five for Oh My God, Go and Binge It right now on the Tuesday Night Podcast scale. You can find this show exclusively on Spotify every week, so I think you should go and subscribe right now. Thank you so much for listening to episode 10 of the Tuesday Night Podcast Club. You can follow us on Instagram at Tuesday Night Pod. For all other suggestions, queries, complaints or comments, email Tuesday Night Podcast Club at gmail.com. See you next week.